This is the first Sunday of November. And people are enjoying the cold weather. Amen. Uh, you know, but this is the best part of the year and we love it. Now, this past week, something happened that caught attention worldwide. What was that? President Trump was raving about it. You remember? Uh, the killing of Baghdadi? Okay. Now, I know there is a battle out there. But I wanted to ask you, uh, what's, when we talk about battle, where is the real battle? Is it between USA and Russia? No. Is it between USA and ISIS? No. Is it between India and Pakistan? Yes. Is it between what's happening in Kashmir? Is it between you and your mother-in-law? Or you and your spouse? Is it between you and your boss or your neighbor? I want to talk to you this morning about the greatest battle we will ever fight. I heard the story of Winston Churchill one time. Uh, you know, he was the big general. And uh, he faced, uh, in, a, in a narrow bridge one time, he came across the general of his enemy. I mean, the enemy a nation, and they were just face to face, and both of them were unwilling to make way for the other person to move. So the other gentle looked at Winston and says, you know what? I never make way for fools. Winston Churchill looked aside, steps aside, and said, I always do. My friends, when it comes to a battle, there is a battle we are in. Would you agree? And it's not between somebody outside, it's not the other nation, it is not somebody else, it is right inside of us. It's the battle inside of us. It's within ourselves. It's a, it is an invisible battle. It's a battle no one sees, no one knows. It's a battle everyone struggles. Anybody here struggles with the battle inside of you? Some of you. What about the rest? It's inside of us. You know, when we think about the great apostle Paul, we think of him as a giant of a man of God, a great apostle, a great missionary, writer of half of the New Testament. But he made a confession in Romans chapter 7. And I want you to turn your Bible to Romans 7, please. But as you turn, let's pray. Father, I pray the word will come to our hearts, O God, that you would speak to us, that you would bring the word alive to us. And I pray, Lord, that you would... Help us to take a stand this morning. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Romans 7 verse 14. We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. And what I hate, I do. Remember, this is Apostle Paul saying. Verse 17. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. For I know that good itself does not dwell. Now, let's go to verse 19. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. Verse 22. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind. Everybody say mind. Mind. And making me a prisoner. Say prisoner. Of the law of sin at work within me. Say within me. And he goes on to say, what a wretched man I am. 
who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? But thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind, everybody say mind. I'm a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. There's a battle within us. It's a battle in our mind. It's a battle of our thought life. And it is a daily battle to what is, do what is good and pleasing to God or to do our own thing. But friends, as long as we are living in this body, we are in a battle. It's, it's not just a one-day problem. It is a lifelong thing. And we have to keep winning the victory lifelong. And it happens every day. You fight every day. You have a choice. I'd like for you to watch this video, please. It's a beautiful video. Let's watch it. Das hier ist mein Sektor. Das hier ist das wichtigste Gerät des Küstenwächters. Das Gerät und das Gerät. Überlebensradar. This is the German Coast Guard. We are thinking, we're thinking. What are you thinking about? What are you thinking about? Okay, what are you thinking about? If I may ask you, what are you thinking about? What constitutes what we think? Right from the beginning of the day until the time we go to bed. There are times when people go to bed and still our mind is racing 100 kilometers an hour. You're thinking and thinking, you're unable to sleep. Have you faced that? I mean, you are, you, your head is on the pillow, but your mind is running. Your mind works. Thank God there is sleep. God allows his beloved sleep. There is time where, where people can go and find rest to the thoughts in our mind. But from the time you're awake in the morning till the time you go to bed and sleep, there is, there is that part of you that is keep on going. What constitutes our, our thought? The things that we read in our newspaper or the magazines or the books we read, the things we watch on television or the internet, the things we engage on social media, the college or university we attend, or the friends we hang around with and the kind of conversation we have constitutes what we think. The colleagues we work with, the family we are living with, the experiences, everyday experiences of our life, the travel we have undertaken, the church or carousel we attend constitutes the way we think. The country where we are living in, the culture we are in, all of these constitutes the way we think. And when you travel, when you go from one region to another, you find people think similarly. People in Andhra think similarly than people from Orissa or Tamil Nadu or Kerala. Each culture has a way of thinking and also each profession has a way of thinking. When you go and meet somebody from the armed forces, they all think similarly. If you go to a business community, they think similarly. If you go to a fishing community, whatever community, there, there is a way of thinking that surrounds the people you are with and the experiences you have. In one minute, what can you do in just one minute? 
You know, during your regular day, a minute may seem very insignificant. Perhaps in a minute you can send a quick reply to an email, or you can have a sip of your tea or coffee, or you can catch up on the headlines of your newspaper or your website, or send a quick WhatsApp message. During the last over of a crucial World Cup 2020 match, every second counts, yes or no? If you don't believe it, look at the millions of crores of rupees they pay for an advertisement for 30 seconds. 30 second advertisement costs millions of rupees just because we, they know so many people are watching. Crores of people are watching that India-Pakistan final match. And they can pass that advertisement to all these people in a shorter span of time. Do you know what is accomplished in just one minute over the internet? Let's have a look at this picture. Just one minute in 2019, in just one minute, $996,956 are spent online every minute. That's $1.435 billion every day. 188 million emails are sent every minute. 1 million logins on Facebook. 41.6 million WhatsApp and Messenger messages. 18.1 million text messages. 3.8 million Google searches. 374,000 Instagram scrolling. 4.5 million YouTube videos. Again, few lakhs of Netflix hours on, on movies are watched every 60 seconds. It's incredible, isn't it? We can't imagine the power of the internet. It's quite extraordinary. Tim Berners-Lee, the inventor of the World Wide Web, would have never imagined the humongous potential of his invention that has been created both for good and for bad. Today, this has impacted everyone especially our youth and children. If you were to look at young people and uh, children, statistics reveal that teens today spend an average of nine hours a day on the internet. Nine hours a day. Some of them are tempted to bring the cell phone to church and even watch it. They are, they are so addicted that they, they, they cannot probably spend half an hour sometime listening to a message. They just have to go and check what's online. Friend, had you, are you an addict? The thoughts of our mind and the attitudes of our heart. Have you heard people say, he's got a dirty mind? Have you heard people say? He's got a corrupt mind or a crooked mind? Have you heard people say, he's got a pure mind? He's got, he's got pure motives. What makes a person corrupt or evil or pure? It's right here. It's not here. It's not how they appear. It's what they think. The question is, what are you thinking? When it comes to the Bible, the Bible uses the word heart and mind interchangeably. There is, a mind, there, there is a difference between our mind and our brain. It's the difference between a pianist and a piano. 
The brain is what we think with. The mind does the thinking. Your pianist plays the piano, but the piano is the instrument. Bible believers are urged to renew our mind. Now, friends, I want to ask you, I keep thinking about this. Does the devil know our thoughts? Can he read what's going on inside us? Yes? No? The answer is no. <laughs> he can't read our mind. Can the re devil read your mind? No. But how does the devil get so smart about your life? How does he know what is your weakness and where do you go and what do you do and what? It's based on our action and our words. Are you with me? Because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And when you speak, the devil knows what you're thinking. You see, if the devil knew the mind, he would have never crucified Jesus Christ. He would have known that he would rise again from the dead. The devil doesn't know what you're thinking. Turn to your neighbor and say, the devil doesn't know what I'm thinking. Turn to somebody and say, you don't know what I'm thinking. Nobody knows what I'm thinking. But friends, God knows what you're thinking. God knows what you're thinking. You know, nobody knows. For with the heart man thinketh, and with the mouth man confesses. You see, the devil is not omniscient. Only God is omniscient. The devil kind of works like artificial intelligence, you know. I don't know about you, but when you go to Google and when you check a certain airline ticket, you know, you want to uh, uh, find a ticket from here to Delhi or from here to Chennai, and perhaps you don't buy it. And the next time you open your, your email or whatever, what comes on the side? Tickets to Chennai at such and such a price. Now listen, who told them I'm going to Chennai? But artificial intelligence will have a way of taking everything you search, everything you go to, every place you go on the internet. Listen, it may be a secret, but nothing is a secret. Hello? You know, that's the beauty uh, of this generation. They think nobody knows what they're doing. They think nobody knows, but everything is known. The devil is a little bit like artificial intelligence. Without your knowing, the devil actually is tracking all your movements. They know who you talk with, where you go, what you search, what you see, what you read, what you hang around with, what you do, everything the devil knows, except what you're thinking. Today, the internet has caught the, 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 has captured our mind, our thoughts. People are caught up in a world wide web and really unable to free yourself. It has become an addiction. Something you cannot live without. Friends, I want to ask you, are you a tech addict? Are you addicted to technology? Are you a social media addict? Are you addicted to your cell phone? Can you live without this for a day? The older generation would say, yes, I know that. My father would be happy to say, hey, take it away, no problem. But you talk to my son here, he'll suffocate without. 
the next gen will suffocate without internet, without social media. Are you getting me? It's a big difference. For older generation, living without this is freedom. This suffocates them. They don't know half the buttons what is inside. Sister Stuffs is smart. She knows a lot of stuff. She hangs around with smart people. But listen, listen to me. Younger people knows everything in it. So are you an addict? You know, we have addicts today that are addicted to technology. Recently, I went off of Facebook for several weeks, maybe a few months. I felt so relieved, not having to get on the... And I'll tell you, it is such a relieving experience not to be hooked on. I have a picture of a hook on a person. Let's show that picture, please. A hook. Okay? Right there. The devil has got a hook on our lives. Now, I'm not saying that everything on the internet is bad, but if you are on it without a break, something is wrong. It's like a boy who was taken to the doctor recently by the mother. The mother took the boy to the doctor and says, um, doctor, my son is unwell. So he did a series of tests, looked at all the reports and called the boy. He's about 10 to 12 year old. He says, son, you need to play. You need to go and play football. So the boy looked at the doctor and says, doctor, I do play football. He says, you do? How long do you play? He says, until my battery lasts. You know, little kids, parents, how do you feed your kids? Beta, dekho, 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 dekho. What incentive do you give your kids? Internet. Recently, I was teaching at the Haggai International, and we, had a, we were talking about internet and all of that. And I asked the parents, how do you handle the internet with your kids? One of the fathers made a very smart thing. He said, listen, I make sure my kids get internet based on the scripture verses they memorize. They memorize few verses, I give them access to so many minutes of internet per day. When they don't memorize, they don't get the internet. Hello? Is that a good idea? Right? I mean, when they memorize some scripture, how can a young man keep himself pure? By hiding your word in your heart, by meditating on your heart. You know, friends, we want a generation that is not addicted. How many hours a day are you online? Can you live without the internet for a day? I want to share a few things with you. I want to talk about three falls today. Let's have a look. The first one, I want to talk about fall that happened in heaven. It's the fall of Lucifer. He was one of the archangels and he was the worship leader. He was a very beautiful person. But something caused his downfall. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah 14 and verse 12 on. He's really talking about the devil. He says, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations. Verse 13, everybody read verse 13. You said in your heart. Where? Where? Heart. He didn't even say it with his mouth. No words came out of his mouth. He only thought in his heart. You said in your heart, he said, fighting this rod, 
I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of the assembly, on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. I will make myself like the Most High. But you are brought down to the realms of the dead, to the depth of the pit. Those who stare at you, they ponder your fate. Is this the man who shook the earth and making them tremble? Friends, what made Lucifer fall? What made Lucifer fall? Tell me. Hello? His thoughts. His thoughts. Not only him, a third of the angels thought that way. They were all kicked out. You know, uh, that tells me the angels up in heaven have clean thoughts. They are there because of their clean thoughts. Amen? Angels are up in heaven because of clean thoughts. And I need to say, the church will be up in heaven because of clean thoughts. Hello? The church someday will be raptured up in heaven because of clean thoughts. The devil never thought God could read his mind. He was mistaken and he was kicked out of heaven. Lucifer was kicked out of heaven because of the way he thought. Let me show you another example. I want to talk about the fall of mankind in Genesis chapter 3, verse 1 to 6. Adam and Eve were created in chapter 2, chapter 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any of the tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, but God did say... You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it. Now, that is Eve's interpretation. God didn't say you can't touch it. She added a little extra masala. Or you will die. And the devil said, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing what is good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eyes and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it and also gave some to her husband. What a dumb guy. Okay. The devil played with her mind. Are you getting me? God already said the word. God already said what he needed to say in the word. This is exactly what the devil does today. Friend, God said, thou shalt, thou shalt not. And the devil comes and says, no, homosexuality is okay. The Bible says, love your neighbor. God is love. Are, are you getting what I'm saying? God is very clear here. God is very clear here. Both in the old and in the new and everything. But we have smart theologians. I wouldn't call it smart, dumb, that misinterpret God's word. God said a few things. My friend, if any preacher comes and causes you to misinterpret God's word, he's doing exactly what the devil did in the Garden of Eden. Did God really say? 
Did God really say? He messed with her mind. And she acted on what she thought. She knew better. She knew. You know, God's people knows better. If you read God's word, you know what the truth is. But you'll hear some preacher or somebody come and distort the word and you'll believe. Oh, perhaps maybe that is interpretation. Maybe that is interpretation. Adam and Eve got kicked out of Eden. Listen, Eden was the most perfect place. And yet, the devil messed their mind. He planted seeds of doubt. Let's look to the third one. I want to talk about the fall of the whole world during Noah's time. Go to Genesis chapter 6, verse 5 on. Let's read verse 5. Everybody read verse 5. The Lord God, the Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created and with them the animals, the birds and the creatures that move along the ground for I regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now what was the problem? The problem was here. That every inclination of every thought in a human heart was evil all the time. You know what? It kind of tells us about the quality of people today, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Church, listen to me. You are in the world, but you cannot be of the world. You are in the world. But I want to challenge you to start thinking differently. Of the whole world that thought, there was one person that thought differently, Noah, and God saved him. When the whole world is thinking differently, I challenge you to think the way God wants you to think. Every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil. He sent the rains and the floods and wiped away an entire human world. Every man, woman, child was killed. Every living creature, birds, animals, everything was killed except for Noah. I want to say there is a real battle within each one of us. It's right here. If God did not spare Lucifer, if God did not spare the perfect couple in the garden, if God did not spare an entire civilization, what makes us feel like we can just go ahead and mess up what we think and feel like things will be fine with us? I want to say, friends, it is important what we think. It's very important what we think. Because what goes on here, nobody sees. Your spouse does not see. Your children don't see. Your parents don't see. Your pastor don't see. Your colleagues don't see. The devil don't see. But you see what's happening here. And God sees. And that's very important. It's an unseen battle. It's a personal battle. But I want to say it is also a very powerful battle. It's a battle you must fight. Someone else will not fight this battle for you. You have to fight it. You can choose to yield or choose to stand. It's a battle you cannot afford to lose. It's a battle you must win. 
You've heard the saying, you cannot let a crow fly over your head, but you can definitely stop it from building a nest over your head. There may be a lot of things out there, but depends what you are building your nest with. What comes in will go out. What comes inside you? You've heard gigo, G-I-G-O? Yes? No? Garbage in, garbage out. But I want to do something different. I want to call it I I I O. Can you say that? I I I O. Say that again, everybody. Internet in, internet out. The question is, what is in your mind? Today, people are not given to reading books. It's all about the internet. People are wanting degrees on the internet. They don't want to go to colleges. They want everything online. I, 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 yo. Internet in, internet out. You can choose to think. You know, the same Paul who confessed that he is having a battle within himself. The things I want to do, I don't. The things I don't, I do. He is saying how to win this battle in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 3 to 6. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they are divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. And friends, read this. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. That's the key. You need to fight it. How does Paul do it? He says, hey, the weapons I fight, I fight are not worldly, are not carnal. We are not fighting with flesh and blood. We are not fighting against flesh and blood. But we are fighting principalities and powers. We are fighting, we are fighting arguments and every pretension, every thought right here. King James says, bringing into captivity every thought. We are, a, we are in a war, every one of us. We have weapons that are mighty and we must choose. Now, one of the weapons we know is the word of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 4, verse 12, it says the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges what? The thoughts and intents, the attitudes of the heart. Prayer and fasting are weapons too. In Luke, in Matthew 26, verse 41, Jesus is looking at the disciples and saying, Hey, watch and pray so you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked, has asked to sift all of you as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith will not fail. We need to consciously redirect the thoughts of our mind. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7 says, As a man thinketh, so is he. As a man thinketh, so is he. So question is, what are you thinking? Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Colossians 3 since then you have been raised with Christ, set your hearts on things above, where Christ is seated in the right hand. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. 
Verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever brings to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Friends, as I conclude, I'm going to call the worship team. I want to say you can change your life by the way you think. You can change your life by the way you think. The great, greatest battle you will ever fight is the one inside of you, right here. An old man was talking to his grandson, and he said, there is a battle between two wolves inside all of us. One is evil. It's filled with anger, jealousy, greed, resentment, inferiority, lust, ego, lies. And the other is good. It is love, joy, peace, hope, humility, kindness, empathy, and truth. The little boy thought for a moment and looked at the grandpa and said, Grandpa, which wolf wins? The old man quietly replied, the one you feed. The one you feed wins. Watch your thoughts, for they become words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your words, watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, for they become your character. Watch your character, it becomes your destiny. It all begins right here. Philippines 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent and praiseworthy, think on these things. Now, question as I conclude is this. In this fight, will you win or will you lose? Are you a prisoner deep inside or are you walking victorious? My prayer for everybody that's listening to me is that I pray that in this battle, we will be a winner. Nobody knows whether we win or lose except God. And I pray when he looks, he can look like Noah and say, yes, though the whole world is going that way, Noah found favor. I pray you will find favor, amen, that you will win this victory. Let's pray. I want you to close your eyes. Will you make a commitment today? Not to be an addict? Not to be a prisoner? But to say, God, I commit myself to be a victor. I will win with this victory. I will win. I'm committed to winning. Pray to God right now. Hallelujah. Father, we just thank you for the word which has come in to us this morning time to have clean thoughts, God, Lord. And I pray, Jesus, that we'll think on what is pure, what is holy, what is admirable, Lord. And Father, if there's any wicked thoughts always in us, that would you just help us to repent, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for the Sunday morning, Lord. We thank you, Jesus. That as we partake in this emblem, Lord, that we will do it in a worthy manner, God. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.